welcome to another episode of the Limelight Podcast. I'm Maddie, and I'm here again with Dr. Sloan, and uh, we're, we have a lot to talk about today. Um, we're going to hope to answer a lot of common questions that you guys have. Um, so without further ado, let's jump into it, because we have a lot to talk about. Um, all right, yeah, there's a lot going on these days. There's a lot. There's all kinds of stuff. I think, uh, you know, we've, yeah, anyway, got a lot of questions, so let's just jump right in. Um, something that a lot of people question, um, you know, your policy, I guess, um, is to treat Borrelia burgdorferi first, if that is something that people have. Um, and a lot of people wonder, okay, well, why don't I do a SOT for EBV first or Bartonella or, you know, the list goes on and on. It's a very common question. So can you tell us a little bit more, we've talked about it a lot, but it is a really confusing topic. Sure. Um, why do you start with Borrelia burgdorferi? So as I understood it from a long time ago, and I'm Lyme literate back when Lyme literate wasn't cool. Um, when we used to crush up herbs and we didn't have all these fancy little tinctures and antibiotics and things like that, um, we learned a lot about Borrelia burgdorferi and why Borrelia burgdorferi is actually only diagnosis. The only diagnosis for Lyme disease is Borrelia burgdorferi, according to the CDC. Why is that one different um, when there's you know a list of other Borrelias? I don't know, maybe 15 other Borrelias? So as we know, Borrelia burgdorferi was created in a lab from what I would say were pre-existing European spirochetes that have been around for millennia in us and around us. We find spirochetes in the mummies 5,000 years ago. Um, I don't think they were life-threatening back then, um, but maybe they were. It's the fact that Borrelia burgdorferi is a, is a new genus. The, the DNA of Borrelia burgdorferi has the longest sequence of bacteria in history. It's the smartest bacteria that we clinically study. It is a bacteria outside of the body. It's a virus inside the body. It can hide in biofilm to protect itself. It hides from antibiotics in biofilm. It can go dormant, although SOT works on persister cells and through biofilm. And we can talk about that, you know. Um, so when you take a coronavirus, and which is the common cold, there's over a hundred of them. And then you do what's called game theory research. And that means that you try to make it more contagious and harder to treat. That's basically what um, the nice fellow, Dr. Bergdorfri did um, his work. I don't think he meant to cause such a, a biological weapon, but now that we know that it's been genetically modified and it's that hard to treat, um, our immune system can handle all these other things that we've been around for so long, but BB is the starting point because it causes the most damage in the human tissue. It suppresses our immunity. Um, it drills holes through our tissue. It can move um, a quarter of a centimeter through tissue and not use the blood stream. Ew, so, so it doesn't, is it just drilling little holes? Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, it's, as far as we know, the only 
uh, pathogen that can get into the hard, hard tissues of the body, like the disc materials in our back, our neck, through the spine, and the hard tissues in our, in our joints, because we know it causes autoimmune diseases, and it likes to live away from blood flow, so it's trying to protect itself, and it secretes, secretes enzymes to suppress immunity. That's why we measure natural killer cell functions and T cells and things like that. So that's my starting point. It, it's nothing that you're, you're going to learn in a book, um, but it's the starting point because once I get the bad guy off the table, then we see the immune system wake up. Ch Chassie and I both had patients today that had co-infections that have been, have, been, um, have been eradicated six to eight weeks post-SOT. Um, so that, that's the starting point. It's, uh, it, it's, it's a, it's the most harmful bacteria that we have in the body. So, um, getting rid of that is the first point for me, maybe not other doctors. If you're not using Lyme literate tests and you're just doing SOTs, then, then you don't know that starting point because you don't have the experience to see the sequences that it can happen after it's gone. Right. And if it's you're not doing, I mean, I know you do more testing consistently than I've ever experienced myself from any other doctors. So you're able to see kind of the more, more testing equals more trends, more data, more information that you can make decisions based off of. Yeah. I'm trying very hard to make sense of the madness of this disease and um, the thousands and thousands of tests I've seen and I think we're over 500 SOTs now, so I get to constantly see sequences. That's mm -hmm. why I make the graph. We can call it IgM hump, the IgG hump, the left hump, right hump, and my patients get stuck in the trough, and that's the chronic Lyme area. And once we have an SOT, we can actually watch the immune system move that along through the sequences, whereas for antibiotics, it doesn't do that at all. It just will take them down turn them off, you remove the antibiotic, they go back up to probably where they were. Right. And you're just moving back and forth. So whether it's IgM, IgG in the trough, antibiotics don't really create that. You can't really test a patient post-antibiotic treatment. Either they hide in the biofilm because you're using non-lipophilic antibiotics or, or it makes it hide so you don't see the antibodies anyway. Right. So, and well, I know only, that, you know, based on my personal tests, you can see that because I, you know, when I first started getting it, didn't test because I was pre-hump. Um, and then I tested for it. I was on antibiotics for two years um, and then tested and it was mostly gone. And then a few years later, not, you know, I didn't get a new bite or anything. And I had really, you know, I came in and was like, I have joint pain again. And I, my labs lit up and I was like, you know, I think you remember, you were like, you know, well, you have Lyme disease. <laughs> I was like, yeah, well, um, you know, so that, it, you know, it was just a matter of me not actively treating it. And as soon as I kind of was like, I'm going to go live my life now, it's like, cool, well, we're, we're coming back, um, you know. So yeah. And then there's, there's triggers, like for a lot of my kids, teenagers to in their 20s, um, including mine, my daughter had nine IgG bands. My son had 10. Wow. We considered them fairly asymptomatic, but my daughter could not get over her mono since she was 17 and she was 22. My right. son 
he's just a boy. <laughs> so um, he hasn't had mono. So, you know, you give them mono and or another virus, and then it really triggers it. It's just too much for the immune system, and it overwhelms the immune system. It's the most overwhelming. Another reason I start with it is the most overwhelming, uh, distracting part for our immune system. So I see patients like I saw today, which a lot of people know, um, at 40-something, he almost had every single IgM on. Wow. That you're supposed to have on your child. But right. he's had Lyme for a long time in multiple cases of Lyme. Um, and now I can actually see a test, and I, I can probably tell you if you've had Lyme more than once. And if you don't act the way you're supposed to after SOT, now redo your test, you can kind of see if, if you're not pulling off your hump, if you're not sequencing, then you probably have a second RNA sequence, but it's still Borrelia burgdorferi, it just has multiple replication sequences. That's actually a really good thing, I think, to talk about because I know it's confusing to me and I think it's confusing to everybody. Um, the difference, or, or specifically what you're doing with the SOT, because I think people get species and strain confused. Yeah. Oh boy, sure. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, when we talk about species, you know, we have the Burgdorferi as a species, um, right. Epithelia as a species, um, there's dozens more. Carini, Myoni, there's yeah. a whole lot of them here. Um, so I'm those are all things you would get a separate SOT, you would test separately for those, you would get a separate SOT for those? Yeah, so Borrelia burgdorferi is still Lyme disease, and it's still the one that causes the most trouble. So if you don't slide correctly on your, on your, on your post-SOT follow-ups, and if you don't have the symptom changes, throw the paperwork away. The first question I ask a patient, how are you feeling? That's more important. That's more important than the Western blot, and it, and it always is. So I don't want people to get caught up in the numbers because I'm trying to make sense of a, of a disease that doesn't make sense. I'm trying to make sense of numbers that nobody's ever made sense of before. I'm trying to validate your feelings. Um, like you feel better, good, your numbers are better. You feel worse, well, your numbers are better or your numbers are worse. You know, well, if your numbers are better and you feel worse, it's other things, but that's why I'm so comprehensive for this crazy, um, I gotta cover all funguses, all viruses, all bacteria, all hormones, mold, you know, if you don't do the whole picture, you're going to chase rabbits that go in circles. Um, I think I, I think I lost your question. Oh, so Borrelia <laughs> burgdorferi has over a hundred RNA sequences. Like we're all humans, but we have different birthdays. Right. So we have different ways to replicate. So our genetics are different. Well, there are a lot of Borrelia burgdorferi bugs but they were born on different birthdays. So they have different RNA sequences. So if you get an SOT and it goes, you know, you've gotten tested, you have Borrelia burgdorferi with like the MDL test, you wouldn't know what RNA sequence you had. You would just know you had BB, right? Correct. So then it would so, go to the lab, it would go to RDCC, yes. they would do their testing and they would know, okay, you have these four strains, RNA sequences, and they would make your SOT for that. Is that what they do? So the, so the SOT and the way the, the way the technology works is they take 
the technology only gathers the main RNA sequence that's replicating the most at that time. Got it. So it's for one RNA sequence. That it's makes sense. One. That makes sense. Okay. One RNA sequence, the most replicating sequence, but there's a great possibility that it's going to copy down for multiple sequences. Got it. It's a great possibility. I just can't say that and, and guarantee it. I know they're making it for the one. Now they start with 150 blocking potentials for each patient and they go through sensitivity and validation studies to come to the one that's the most relevant for that patient. That's how, that's how painstaking this technology is. It's really cool. It's like, it's so, it, I'm such a nerd about it. I think it's so cool. Uh, now, you know, we're going through a, a video from their last conference in Texas of the man who makes SOTs, and I'm trying to get permission to post that um, for everyone to see. And it just absolutely doesn't make sense much to anybody because it's a whole lot of genetic talk. So people ask me all the time, what do they find? And I say, they found the main RNA sequence. Um, well, what is it? It's a bunch of DCs, T's and A's and, and, and different combinations. It doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense that for me or for anybody else, it's just, you know, they it's did their work and they found it. Right. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. So it is possible, not likely, but possible that if you are, your bands aren't going away, you maybe have a second RNA sequence. That's, that was maybe as yeah. proliferant. Is that a word? Prolific? Yeah, prolific. Yep. Yes. <laughs> and there's also another way to look at it. Like I felt great on my molecules. And then during that fifth, sixth month, I had my symptoms started coming back. Well, that's one way to know that you either got reinfected by a spouse, a bug, or that there's another sequence that's coming out um, that wasn't completely covered. Maybe it diminished it, but it wasn't completely covered. And, um, and or you just didn't feel better at all. And, you know, then I painstakingly looked through all of the data. What did I miss? Um, are, you, are your EBV markers high? Do your myco flare? Are you in a mold toxin environment? Um, so yeah, it, in time, we can always figure it out. It always will make sense over time, through time. Um, unless there's another possibility is that it's caused so much damage that success also means that I stopped you from getting worse. Right. The de degeneration inhibited and you're, and you're holding put, you're still sick. Right. We have a lot of neuro, a lot of body damage. You're still sick, but we have success now. Let's make sure the bug is gone and then let's go do some healing work. Right. Well, and that's what I expected for myself and what I found for myself was, you know, I did, it wasn't like, boom, I'm fine. I still recognize that, you know, I had these little improvements as I started to get better. And I was like celebrating each of those, like, oh, I had more energy or like, oh, my mind was really, I had a really clear mental day or, you know, oh, I'm, you know, feeling really motivated. My depression is not as bad or my anxiety is not as bad. And it was just like little steps to get to where I was or to get where I am, um, you know, and now I'm looking back, even it's hard to remember what it was because now it's been almost two years for me. Now yeah. I'm like, I ate yeah. gluten the other day without even realizing it. I ate a pasta salad and I was just, didn't even realize. And I felt fine afterwards. It's like, well, I'm cured. That was it. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's a good, a, a good segue into what I wanted to talk about next was, you know, what do you do 
post SOT, what are, you know, the, the trends in the labs you're looking for? What are you kind of looking for, for people who come back and they say, you know, I still don't feel great. What, what are like the next things that you do? Well, you know that I always start, I believe that funguses, um, and, and I, think, I think very strongly of this opinion, um, I think acute can, candida issues um, and, and patients who've had candida for a long time, which have a lot of leaky gut because candida makes a hole in your gut and makes all these immune system reactions and poisons your body and your brain. Um, that's sometimes a bigger deal in Borrelia. I had a patient two weeks ago debilitating illness and body pain. When she came in for SOT, I go and meet her. Um, she was like 90% better just from the antifungals. Wow. So if I didn't do that, her SOT is not going to have success, even though it's going to have success. She's not going to feel it. Right. Um, so starting point is get rid of the yeast. It's not worth even testing. Get rid of it. The, the medicines are harmless. Um, and we know that candida can get into the brain just like viruses and bacteria, and it causes the same immune system sequences. They all three cause immune system sequences that end up with neurodegenerative disease. Um, so what was the question? <laughs> um, so what we're doing after, as oh. a, after for lab, labs, talking about labs. Yeah, so when, when I have it, when, I, when you put in SOT and I have your antifungals and I do a, a follow-up usually six to eight weeks, um, we've probably had a lot of email transfers or phone calls just to take care of little things. Um, I'm going to go back and look at viruses, bacteria, co-infections, which I don't like to call co-infections. They're just infections. Um, and see if anything has popped up that wasn't able to pop up before. Like if you have Bartonella and it's hiding because Borrelia is causing your immune system reactions, sometimes we do see it come up as an antibody because the immune system wakes up. Right. And it can go take care of this. Sometimes the EBV may flare. Sometimes it goes down. So if you feel better or you don't even, or if you feel better or not at all, I still check anything from the past that looks like I can follow it through this situation to know if I need to treat it after I treat Borrelia. How often do you have a patient that their only problem is Lyme and they just do the SOT and they're fine? Other than my mom. Wow, great question. <laughs> Not many. Yeah, great question. Not many. Um, um, not many. I think we all have candida. Um, candida causes more global brain fog than Lyme. Lyme causes specific neurological symptoms because it's in part or a part or parts of the brain. So you get neuro stuff like, you know, I can't remember my mother's name or my foot, you know, I can't walk or, um, um, specific neurological symptoms that can be related to neurological issues. And then candida just causes global brain fog because it lives in the gut, it poops and pees, all this waste, and it clogs up all your neurotransmitter functions and inhibits our brain to work. Right. Um, so I check anything from the past I need to check to the future. And then I, I treat it and I go from there. I think, I don't think I've been giving antivirals in a high enough dose. So lately I've had some really good improvements with um, patient yesterday. All her pain is gone. Even though she still has Lyme, she has CDC Lyme. All her pain is gone through um, antiviral protocol. Was that for EBV? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. But I, 
but I can't drop her antivirals because then her line flares right. and she feels that again. So here's another example of the starting point Borrelia. I medicate her, I control her virus, her immune system can work on the Borrelia, but take her off a real high dose antiviral and then she has all the pain back. And then she's never, it's not like her immune system's going to be successful ever against getting right. the Borrelia. It's just going to fight and fight and fight and fight and not be able to deal with anything else. Right. Yeah. We're just controlling symptoms. So in that, so is the next plan for that patient to get an SOT and then be able to hopefully get better from the Lyme and then wean off the antivirals? Yeah. Everybody's in that kind of a different place with it. Sometimes um, they just come in and say, just treat, just treat this. This is what I know. And this is all I know. And this, I think this is my problem. Um, we find other things they might, they may, they may not want to treat. Um, I find everybody, I reach everybody where I can mm -hmm. and you know, not everybody wants to, to do the same thing. So, um, we have to find ways to help. But you, you know, you generally, I think this is like what I'm getting to is generally you find that most people have several things. It's like a, a melting soup pot of issues and you have yeah. to kind of peel away the layers and get each one. Yeah. I, another thing to say based on that same question is that if I do find Bartonella or Babesia, Dancani or Micrati, um, it's very, 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 very unusual if I don't find Lyme. Right. Because, you know, most of those co-infections are all fed to the, the ticks. Yes. Yeah, they're all in there. All I think a, how many spirochetes and bugs can a tick barely hold? Like a whole lot? Hundreds? I don't know. Well, Willie Bergdorfer knew. Yes. We need to, I need to memorize that, that book. <laughs> Everybody, and if anybody listening or watching wants to learn more about this, a great book to read is Bitten by Chris Newby, K-R-I-S-N-E-W-B-Y, I think her name is. Um, it's a fantastic book and she's done a lot of excellent, excellent research on where Lyme has come from. Um, yes. Great book. And it's my computer uh, stand, by the way. What? It's my computer stand. Oh, <laughs> very valuable for more than one reason. <laughs> um, where did I want to go next? Let's see. Oh, okay. So this is a good segue. So you're retest, you know, your, your people come in and you're kind of the way that you process things is like peeling away the, the layers of, of the onion and saying like, what is causing you the most distress right now? And what can we fix to remove symptoms? Right? Yes. Um, so, you know, we were talking about this earlier, but in conventional medicine, they throw antibiotics at you and they say, you know, take this course of antibiotics, you know, two weeks of doxycycline and then you're cured, but you, they right. never come back and retest. You never get a Western blot again. If you aren't better, they just say, oh, well, you are crazy. You have post Lyme chronic syndrome or whatever they call it. I don't even think they call it that unless you're at a specialist. There's some name that they came up. It's like post Lyme. Post-treatment post Lyme disease syndrome. Yes, which is the silliest thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, you know, it's like, it reminds me of being diagnosed when I had Lyme and I had a rash all over my body. The dermatologist said, oh, you have urticaria. 
And I said, that's a fancy word for a rash. And I still don't know why I have the rash. You have red swollen skin, erythema migraines. I mean, if they don't notice that as a dermatologist, they're just very useless. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, dermatologists are good for cutting things off the skin. No, no disrespect, but <laughs> they don't even understand mast cell reactions because it's not a skin reaction. It comes from inside out. Right. So, you know, just put a steroid on it. So what do you, you know, what is your um, counterpoint to that conventional mentality of throw antibiotics at it, don't ever retest? Well, you can't retest with antibiotics because it doesn't make any sense. So you either make the, the bands hide or you may bring them out more. Um, one of my friends i've been treating his family for a long time he had ar rheumatoid arthritis so bad that his kids would bring him in the back of the car and we would go out to the car to treat him oh my um, gosh back in that day i was running lab western blot he was negative completely 100 negative even with epstein Barr, you should flag a 41 band on igg so if you don't flag a 41 band and you've had epstein Barr, something's wrong so Time goes by, maybe even a year or more, and his joints are so infected that I give him an acyclin to treat his joint sepsis. And I redid his Western blot for LabCorp, and it was he was all three IgM positive. So for him, antibiotic break, retest, Western blot, and I actually brought it out of hiding, and there was some immune reaction. But that's because I gave him minocycline and not doxycycline. Right. Doxycycline is water soluble non-lipophilic so it would have just made deeper and deeper problems more neurological problems and by the way he did a bike ride across europe um and he was the only american to finish out of like 200 people only 10 finished and he was the only american yeah wow yeah he needs to write a test we should have him on the podcast <laughs> he's a he's a great guy great guy that's awesome I think, you know, I, it's one of the things that's been so frustrating. Oh, he's, but he's also had two SOTs and stem cells twice. Oh, wow. We should do a whole episode about stem cells, too. I know a lot of people, including me, I have a lot of questions about that, too. I um, have a lot to say about it. It's really good. But uh, what I was going to say is, you know, the, all with all this COVID stuff, it frustrates me that more people are more sick in this country with Lyme disease and have been, and Lyme disease is yeah. the biggest epidemic in this country. And yeah. there's no push. Like, why are people not test for Lyme? Why don't we do more testing, testing? You know, and it's funding and testing. Why don't we get some funding and testing for Lyme disease? Maybe some uh, little yeah. bit Ask your fellow New Yorkers why they're everybody on the block has Lyme and they just all think they're fine. And, or, you know, Connecticut, everybody, my patients from Connecticut, Connecticut, everybody has Lyme. Yeah. And uh, Connecticut has the highest neurodegenerative disease rates, the highest Lyme disease rates. And once you treat it with antibiotic, everybody thinks they're fine. And then five, 10, 15, whatever years later, they develop neurodegenerative diseases and they just get another diagnosis and some more treatment. So here's the deal. Imagine this novel disease um, that was designed by Dr. Bergdorfery and 
long-term for chronic Lyme patients, it causes so many autoimmune diseases. We spend so much money on these autoimmune diseases that it is more than chemotherapy money every year. Right. So the biological immunosuppressant agents for lupus and MS and rheumatoid and myasthenia gravis, um, they're at six to $8,000 every six weeks. And there's so many more people that have those than cancer that it, it, it's more money than chemotherapy. So it's one of those things that the system is not going to change easily because there is a whole lot of money that goes through it. Well, I'm even thinking about people, you know, I, it's amazing how many people I know in the Northeast that, you know, oh yeah, I had Lyme disease, but it was fine. I took antibiotics and no big deal. Or my cousin had Lyme disease and they took antibiotics and it was no big deal. But yet these people have, you know, a heart condition, chronic eczema, obesity. Um, you know, I think those things too are things that people don't necessarily think of as um, autoimmune diseases or chronic illnesses, but there are these chronic problems from having sure. constant low levels of inflammation, constant levels of histamine, their immune system isn't working properly. So even if they're fine, their bodies are not in a place of homeostasis. And now everyone just kind of accepts like, oh, I have eczema, I have rosacea, I have, you know, it's, it's hard, I can't lose weight, this is just how I am. Or, you know, right. I've got, you know, stomach problems. I just have a, I just have a weird gut, it's just me. No, that's not how you're supposed to be. <laughs> you're supposed to be able to, you know, live and be healthy and have nice skin and good digestion. <laughs> yeah, if I could scream this to the top of whatever mountain to everyone's ear, an autoimmune disease only describes, or any diagnosis only describes the symptoms that are characterized by that diagnosis. They have nothing to do with why you got the diagnosis. Right. So when Lyme disease is a diagnosis, it actually actually describes that you have a bacterial infection called Borrelia burgdorferi. MS just says you have on an MRI, I see multiple sclerotic lesions. Period. Well, how do they get there? Right. Um, you know, we know. I, I will say that we know that sixty to eighty percent of autoimmune diseases, when we study them and we study groups that do check these patients for Lyme is in 60 to 80% of the autoimmune diseases. And I don't even think they're testing properly. So right. Denver Brain Institute did a study for their Alzheimer's patients and found like 100% of one group had Lyme. It's crazy. And so, you know, I've yeah. seen a lot of other studies that say a lot more with a lot less information. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's definitely, yeah. and you know, it's a whole mindset thing too. Cause I, you know, you know, I only will talk to you about my health now because I had, you know, uh, either PCOS or endometriosis or some kind of issue like that, which I don't really care about getting a diagnosis with that because like you said, it doesn't matter. Um, right. you know, going in and being like, well, here's my symptoms. The only answer is like, they just want to slap a label of the diagnosis on it and then give you a pill and send you out the door. And I'm like, no, I want, this has not always happened to me. It just started happening. I want someone to help me figure out what I'm doing or what's going on that's making this happen. It's not supposed to happen, yeah. it needs to happen. So what's going on? And nobody else besides you that I've ever worked with has, has that mentality of like, okay, well, 
these are your symptoms, what's the cause and how do we eliminate the cause of the symptoms? Right, 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 right. Um, I mean, you've, you've been through a heck of a journey. Um, it's, it's great to see you like you are so vibrant and intelligent. And, um, and the journey continues because yeah. it's not very easy to be healthy these days. That's a yeah. whole different topic, but well, you know, I still have issues and I'm still, you know, I still have my hormonal, whatever's going on with me hormonally that is messing me up. But you know, I know that it's just a process of getting to the bottom of yeah. the issue. It's yeah. not, you know, I'm not okay with just saying, Oh, I have endometriosis. I'm that. And I know a lot of people that just say I have endometriosis and they don't change their diet. They don't go see different doctors. They don't try alternative therapies. They just right. think that that's how they are going to live the rest of their lives. Right. And I'm not doing that. I'm going to figure out what's going on. I'm going to rebalance whatever is messed up. Right. Yeah. I don't think my I haven't discussed this with any, anyone. I think, you know, but in July last year, the one time I was in the woods with waders on and blue jeans, I got a bite on my knee. It turned it in, turned into a septic joint. Yeah. Um, I was going to have to have surgery, but I know to inject a joint with Recephin. It got better. And then weeks later, I developed fevers and encephalopathy. And like, I feel like I have my major concussions with a fever again. And so I'm positive IGM Rocky Mountain and positive CBC line. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll expand on that one day. I, I, I can relate to most of my patients. Yeah. And um, we're, all in, we're all in a journey. I'm not sitting here on the moral high ground trying to convince everybody that we got the most miracle cure in the world. I, I heard a doctor say that SOT is not a miracle cure. I don't, I don't know many things that are, but it's the best cure with the least amount of side effects that we've ever had for Lyme disease. So you and I both get asked so many technical, highly technical questions. And most of the time, the question doesn't even make sense because somebody's trying to be so technical that it doesn't make sense. So right. at the end of the day, I'm going to still say we're, we still have the best treatment, the most scientific treatment that we can use for this, this, this Lyme disease, Borrelia, Burgdorferi infection that we've ever had in, right. in the world. Just, you know, just get it while you can. I'm not sure how long it's going <laughs> to last. Knock on wood. But so far, so good. <laughs> you know, and that's what I tell people too. I, you know, there's no harm in doing it. And most likely, as you've seen from almost all of your patients, and, you know, I've seen from all of the people that I know personally who have done it, I don't know anybody who hasn't at least gotten a lot better. There are some people that still have some issues and some stuff to figure out. Um, but, you know, everybody that I know personally, it's made a huge difference in their lives. It's made a yeah. huge difference in my life. Um, you know, and I know from a lot of, especially talking to a lot of your patients, that it's, for the most part, a total no-brainer. So I tell people, you know, no-brainer. I wish that this had been available for me when I had first become sick. I love that, aw. So this, this patient made this and she made this health detective. She painted this for that's me, that's for a, me. She, a few <laughs> other things too. Um, she's, she's, she's 
still sick. Um, I can't get rid of her bands. Um, they go completely off. They come completely back on. Um, her neurosymptoms symptoms are stable, but they're still there. And, she, and, and Rocky Mountain just won't leave. She's done 12 months for herself, and we've done two SOTs. Um, but as I tried to explain to her that even though she doesn't leave the house, I think one of her pets gets her reinfected. Oh my gosh. Because I've cut her IgM bands off and then they come back on. And you know, once you sequence through, things don't go don't left. Right. They go right. Immune system huh. doesn't do that. Um, and she's still a patient and we still see her. Um, even if I can't fix everything, we still usually hold on to our patients because I try hard. Um, and I'm not, I'm not here petitioning business. That's not what we have to do. But um, I am in this to win it because I want the testimonies. I'm just driven by, driven by testimonies. It's really the kicker for me. Yeah, well, you know, I don't know you like to make people not be sick. Yeah, and together we can just help a lot of people. Yeah, I hope, uh, you know, this, this is probably a good segue for us to end this episode because uh, I know we tend to get a little lengthy on some of these and I think people right. like it when they're a little bit more digestible in small pieces. Um, so I think maybe we'll wrap this one up for you guys for this episode. Um, but thank you guys so much for watching and listening. And let's talk about persister forms and biofilm and things like that next time, I think. Yes. So I think we're going to do a whole episode on persisters, biofilms, um, and talking about antibiotics, because I know a lot of you guys are confused about that. It's, it's a tough thing to understand. I don't understand it very well myself. Um, and then I know there's still a lot of questions for us to get through. Um, okay. We've got more questions. I know um, a lot of people have been asking about mast cells. So I think maybe you just do like, kind of like we did with Candida, we'll just do a whole episode just talking about mast cell. I think that okay. would be helpful for a lot of people. Um, but yeah, but thank you for this episode. And I think we're on episode eight. I don't remember. Um, okay. Thank you guys for joining us. And uh, until next time. Yes. Bye. Bye.